What is this? Are you trying to trick me? Inconceivable! You're mocking me, aren't you? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime, and I am GamerDude. Well, you know what had to happen. This episode of Storytime is about stories. That's kind of meta, isn't it? Storytime episode about stories? Well, that's where we are. That's what we've come to. We're telling stories about stories now. Now, in all seriousness, I've always been a reader. I've always liked good stories. I've always liked to tell stories. And I grew up enjoying stories. We're going to do something a little different with this episode of Storytime. I'm going to share with you a story that my mother read to me when I was a kid. She read a lot of stories to me when I was a kid. We had this collection of books called My Book House. Now, the collection still exists, but it's changed over the years. But it's a compilation of several stories, all in different volumes of this almost encyclopedia-type collection of books. There was a series of 12 books that, com- that comprised the entire set of My Book House books. And we had the whole set. Now, the copyright of these books that I had growing up was in the 1920s. So these books came out almost a century ago. And the volumes were obviously from 1 to 12. The early volumes were things like nursery rhymes and stories for younger kids. And then as you went up by volume number, the stories got a little more involved and a little more detailed and a little longer. So that by the time you got to volume 12, you had some really long stories in there. Now, my mother would read to us when we were kids, and she would read a variety of stories to us from my book house. She would read poetry to us. She would read uh, short stories, long stories, all different kinds of stories, because she thought reading was important, and it was. Not only was it important, but it also got us to spend time together, and it was quiet time before we went to sleep. These were literally bedtime stories. She would read to us before we went to bed. And I remember those times very vividly, so much so that When my brother was little, I would actually read to him because it got us to spend time together and I got to share stories with him that I liked. And when I had kids, I continued the bedtime story tradition because reading is important. Reading, just being able to read and comprehend and go to different places that authors are wanting to take you is an exciting proposition. It's really cool to go into these universes that we don't otherwise get to experience whether it's a science fiction universe or a fantasy adventure universe or just a part of the country where you don't usually get to go or a period of time that you don't get to experience, reading takes you there. I love science fiction. I love fantasy. I love old-time classics. And I've read them all, and I enjoy them all. And I learned this because my mother told us stories. Now, I'm going to do other episodes talking about my favorite types of science fiction stories and fantasy adventure stories. But I wanted to do something different this time because the stories that I heard as a kid formed the kind of person that I am. And there are certain stories that my mother read to me when I was a kid that have stayed with me through the years, and I've shared those stories with my kids. And so I wanted to share this story with you. Yes, I am going to read to you today. That's what I'm going to do. I am going to read to you one of my favorite stories of all time. It's a story called The Knights of the Silver Shield, and it's written by Raymond McDonald Alden. Don't worry, I've checked. The story is in the public domain, so I'm not going to get in trouble by sharing the story with you. But I wanted to share the story with you because this is my mentality. It, it talks about, well, I won't tell you what it talks about, no spoilers, but it 
it it's a story that stayed with me and it kind of epitomizes my view of what you're supposed to do in the world. So if you want to have a nice story, stick around, give a listen. I'm going to read to you straight from the original book house. This is from volume four of the My Book House collection that I had. If you don't want to have a story read to you, this is the time to tune out because it's a story that's going to fill up the whole episode. But if you want to know the kind of person that I am, if you want to know the kind of things that formed my personality, this is the story that did it. There was once a splendid castle in a forest with great stone walls and a high gateway and turrets that rose away above the tallest trees. The forest was dark and dangerous, and many cruel giants lived in it. But in the castle was a company of knights who were kept there by the king of the country to help travelers who might be in the forest and to fight with the giants. Each of these knights wore a beautiful suit of armor and carried a long spear, while over his helmet there floated a great red plume that could be seen a long way off by anyone in distress. But the most wonderful thing about the knights' armor was their shields. They were not like those of other knights, but had been made by a great magician who had lived in the castle many years before. They were made of silver, and sometimes shone in the sunlight with dazzling brightness, but at other times the surface of the shields would be clouded as though by a mist, and one could not see his face reflected there. Now, when each young knight received his spurs and his armor, a new shield was also given him from among those that the magician had made, and when the shield was new, its surface was always cloudy and dull. But as the knight began to do service against the giants, or went on expeditions to help poor travelers in the forest, his shield grew brighter and brighter, so that he could see his face clearly reflected in it. But if he proved to be a lazy or cowardly knight, and let the giants get the better of him, or did not care what became of the travelers, then the shield grew more and more cloudy, until the knight became ashamed to carry it. But this was not all. When any one of the knights fought a particularly hard battle and won the victory, or when he went on some hard errand for the lord of the castle and was successful, not only did his silver shield grow brighter, but when one looked into the center of it, he could see something like a golden star shining in its very heart. This was the greatest honor that a knight could achieve, and the other knights always spoke of such a one as having won his star. It was usually not until he was pretty old and tried as a soldier that he could win it. At the time when this story begins, the lord of the castle himself was the only one of the knights whose shield bore the golden star. There came a time when the worst of the giants in the forest gathered themselves together to have a battle against the knights. They made a camp in a dark hollow not far from the castle and gathered all their best warriors together, and all the knights made ready to fight them. The windows of the castle were closed and barred. The air was full of noise and armor, and the knights were so excited that they could scarcely rest or eat. Now there was a young knight in the castle named Sir Roland, who was among those most eager for the battle. He was a splendid warrior, with eyes that shone like stars whenever there was anything to do in the way of knightly deeds, and although he was still quite young, his shield had begun to shine enough to show plainly that he had done bravely in some of his errands through the forest. This battle, he thought, would be the great opportunity of his life, and on the morning of the day when they were to go forth to it, and all the knights assembled in the great hall of the castle to receive the commands of their leaders, Sir Roland hoped that he would be put in the most dangerous place of all, so that he could show what knightly stuff he was made of. But when the lord of the castle came to him as he went about in full armor giving his commands, he said, One brave knight must stay behind and guard the gateway of the castle, 
and it is you, Sir Roland, being one of the youngest, whom I have chosen for this. At these words, Sir Roland was so disappointed that he bit his lip and closed his helmet over his face so that the other knights might not see it. For a moment he felt as if he must reply angrily to the commander and tell him that it was not right to leave so sturdy a knight behind when he was eager to fight. But he struggled against this feeling, and he went quietly to look after his duties at the gate. The gateway was high and narrow, and was reached from outside by a high, narrow bridge that crossed the moat, which surrounded the castle on every side. When an enemy approached, the knight on guard rang a great bell just inside the gate, and the bridge was drawn up against the castle wall, so that no one could come across the moat. So the giants had long ago given up trying to attack the castle itself. Today the battle was to be in the dark hollow in the forest, and it was not likely that there would be anything to do at the castle gate except to watch it like a common doorkeeper. It was not strange that Sir Roland thought someone else might have done this. Presently all the other knights marched out in their flashing armor, their red plumes waving over their heads, and their spears in their hands. The lord of the castle stopped only to tell Sir Roland to keep guard over the gate until they had all returned and to let no one enter. Then they went into the shadows of the forest and were soon lost to sight. Sir Roland stood looking after them long after they had gone, thinking how happy he would be if he were on the way to the battle like them. But after a little, he put this out of his mind and tried to think of pleasanter things. It was a long time before anything happened or any word came from the battle. At last, Sir Roland saw one of the knights come limping down the path to the castle, and he went out on the bridge to meet him. Now this knight was not a brave one, and he had been frightened away as soon as he was wounded. I have been hurt, he said, so that I cannot fight any more, but I could watch the gate for you if you would like to go back in my place. At first, Sir Roland's heart leaped with joy, but then he remembered what the commander had told him, and he said, I should like to go, but a knight belongs where his commander has put him. My place is here at the gate, and I cannot open it even for you. Your place is at the battle. The knight was ashamed when he heard this, and he presently turned about and went into the forest again. So Sir Roland kept guard silently for another hour. Then there came an old beggar woman down the path to the castle, and asked Sir Roland if she might come in and have some food. He told her that no one could enter the castle that day, but that he would send a servant out to her with food, and that she might sit and rest as long as she would. I have been past the hollow in the forest where the battle is going on, said the old woman while she was waiting. And how do you think it is going? asked Sir Roland. Badly for the knights, I am afraid, said the old woman. The giants are fighting as they have never fought before. I should think that you had better go and help your friends. I should like to indeed, said Sir Roland, but I am set to guard the gateway of the castle and cannot leave. One fresh knight would make a great difference when they are all weary with fighting, said the old woman. I should think that, while there are no enemies about, you would be much more useful there. You may well think so, said Sir Roland, and so may I, but it is neither you nor I that is commander here. I suppose, said the old woman then, that you are one of the kind of knights who like to keep out of fighting. You are lucky to have so good an excuse for staying at home, and she laughed a thin, taunting laugh. Then Sir Roland was very angry, and thought that if it were only a man instead of a woman, he would show him whether he liked fighting or no. But as it was a woman, he shut his lips and set his teeth hard together, and as the servant came just then with the food he had sent for, he gave it to the old woman quickly, and shut the gate that she might not talk to him any more. 
It was not very long before he heard someone calling outside. Sir Roland opened the gate and saw, standing at the other end of the drawbridge, a little old man in a long cloak. "'Why are you knocking here?' he said. "'The castle is closed today.' "'Are you Sir Roland?' said the little old man. "'Yes,' said Sir Roland. "'Then you ought not to be staying here when your commander and his knights are having so hard a struggle with the giants.' When you have the chance to make yourself the greatest knight in this kingdom, listen to me, I have brought you a magic sword. As he said this, the old man drew from under his coat a wonderful sword that flashed in the sunlight as if it were covered with diamonds. This is the sword of all swords, he said, and it is for you if you will leave your idling here by the castle gate and carry it to the battle. Nothing can stand before it. When you lift it, the giants will fall back, your master will be saved, and you will be crowned the victorious knight, the one who will soon take his commander's place as lord of the castle. Now Sir Roland believed that it was a magician who was speaking to him, for it certainly appeared to be a magic sword. It seemed so wonderful that the sword should be brought to him that he reached out his hand as though he would take it, and the little old man came forward as though he had crossed the drawbridge into the castle. But as he did so, it came to Sir Roland's mind again that that bridge and the gateway had been entrusted to him, and he called out, No! to the old man, so that he stopped where he was standing. But he waved the shining sword in the air and said, It is for you! Take it! And win the victory! Sir Roland was really afraid that if he looked any longer at the sword or listened to any more words of the old man, he would not be able to hold himself within the castle. For this reason, he struck the great bell at the gateway, which was the signal for the servants inside to pull in the chains of the drawbridge. And instantly they began to pull, and the drawbridge came up, so that the old man could not cross it to enter the castle, nor Sir Roland to go out. Then, as he looked across the moat, Sir Roland saw a wonderful thing. The little old man threw off his black cloak, and as he did so he began to grow bigger and bigger, until in a minute more he was a giant as tall as any in the forest. At first, Sir Roland could scarcely believe his eyes. Then he realized that this must be one of their giant enemies who had changed himself to a little old man through some magic power that he might make his way into the castle while all the knights were away. Sir Roland shuddered to think what might have happened if he had taken the sword and left the gate unguarded. The giant shook his fist across the moat that lay between them, and then, knowing that he could do nothing more, he went angrily back into the forest. Sir Roland now resolved not to open the gate again and to pay no attention to any other visitor. But it was not long before he heard a sound that made him spring forward in joy. It was the bugle of the lord of the castle, and there came sounding after it the bugles of many of the knights that were with him, pealing so joyfully that Sir Roland was sure they were safe and happy. As they came nearer, he could hear their shouts of victory. So he gave the signal to let down the drawbridge again and went out to meet them, they were dusty and blood-stained and weary, but they had won the battle with the giants, and it had been such a great victory that there had never been a happier homecoming. Sir Roland greeted them all as they passed in over the bridge, and then, when he had closed the gate and fastened it, he followed them into the great hall of the castle. The lord of the castle took his place on the highest seat, with the other knights about him, and Sir Roland came forward with the key to the gate to give his account of what he had done in the place to which the commander had appointed him. The lord of the castle bowed to him as a sign for him to begin, and just as he opened his mouth to speak, one of the knights cried out, The shield! The shield! Sir Roland's shield! 
Everyone turned and looked at the shield which Sir Roland carried on his left arm. He himself could only see the top of it and did not know what they could mean. But what they saw was the golden star of knighthood shining brightly from the center of Sir Roland's shield. There had never been such amazement in the castle before. Sir Roland knelt before the lord of the castle to receive his commands. He still did not know why everyone was looking at him so excitedly. Speak, Sir Knight, said the commander, as soon as he could find his voice after his surprise, and tell us all what has happened today at the castle. Have you been attacked? Have any giants come hither? Did you fight them alone? No, my lord, said Sir Roland. Only one giant has been here, and he went away silently when he found he could not enter. Then he told all that had happened through the day. When he had finished, the knights all looked at one another, but no one spoke a word. Then they looked again at Sir Roland's shield, to make sure that their eyes had not deceived them, and there the golden star was still shining. After a little silence, the lord of the castle spoke. Men make mistakes, he said, but our silver shields are never mistaken. Sir Roland has fought and won the hardest battle of all today. Then the other knights all rose and saluted Sir Roland, who was the youngest knight that ever carried the golden star. That story has stayed with me all of my life. I'm sure I don't need to explain it, but I've shared it with my kids and I tell people about it in a brief summary. But it's one of the things that kind of formed my personality because I remember my mother reading that to me many, many, many times when I was a kid. And it stands for the proposition that you do what you're supposed to do because you're supposed to do it. It doesn't matter if anybody's looking or not. It doesn't matter if it's what you want to do or not. If you're supposed to do something, you do it. And that's how I've tried to live my life. It seems hard at times. I know that it does. There's always a better deal out there. There's always greener grass out there. Somebody's always ready to offer you a magic sword or magic beans or something to get you to stray from what you're supposed to do. I've found, by and large, I've lived a much happier life doing what I'm supposed to do. Anyway, I've got a lot of those stories. My mother read to us a lot when we were kids, and I read to my kids a lot when they were kids. And I may do other episodes with just a story as the focus of the podcast, because we can get a lot out of really good, well-told stories. And in my opinion, this is one of the best. So I hope you liked it. And I appreciate you listening this far to one of my little indulgences telling you the stories that I grew up with and that mean something to me. And please feel free to share any stories that you grew up with that you'd like to share, that you'd like me to be aware of, because I'm always interested in good stories. And I'll try to continue giving you good stories to think about, to listen to, to share, and to enjoy for as long as I keep doing this podcast. And I thank you so much for taking the time to listen to it, to support it, and to just be here and listen to me tell my tales. That'll do it for this episode of Storytime. Thank you again. You guys take care of yourselves. And until next time, I will see you when I see you.